Welcome back to the show, everybody. Glad you can make it again. It's Paranormal Experience Week. We're talking ghosts today, first contact specifically. I want you all to know up front that I'm a believer. Prove me wrong. So most of us at some point have experienced some sort of paranormal experience. Unexplained noises, uncomfortable feelings, visions, etc. You get the idea. I think in most cases, they are very personal, very powerful. Sometimes they shape our lives forever. Pete and Christina here today, and I'm here to say that I'm a believer. I think that we both are. Christina and I have had numerous experiences in the past, both individually and together. And we're going to discuss a few of them today. And depending on how this podcast goes, and with the reaction we receive from you, the listeners, we would like to include a paranormal episode regularly within the normal format of Prove Me Wrong, and share your experiences on the air as well. Simply contact us through Facebook, it's the Prove Me Wrong podcast site, or one of our other mediums, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and tell us your story, and uh, if it's good, we'll discuss it. I'm excited to hear everybody else's Absolutely. It's definitely something that... that like I said, you and I both have had experiences in the past. It's something that I, we both are believers. Yes. And so, Christina, I think like many people, your experiences started Young. as a child. Yes. Well, you can tell us about whatever it was that made the most impact on you or maybe your first experience. I don't know if it was my first experience, but it was definitely the one that made the most impact. Okay. We had moved into a Civil War era house when I was around, I think I was seven when we finally moved in six or seven mm-hmm. and so we moved into this house it was in an area that used to be known as camp chase which is was a civil war prison encampment so at one point in time the whole we lived just down the street from what they had memorialized as the graveyard at this point but before they had memorialized that as a graveyard the encampment took up i think like it was like a two or three mile radius and our house was in, in that area. So did, did we say where this was? This was in Ohio. In Columbus, Ohio? In Columbus, Ohio, yeah. yeah. Um, and you can look it up, Ch- Camp Chase. There's plenty of, mm-hmm. and it'll tell you exactly where it was. My parents bought this house and uh, we moved in. I think the f- the first kind of inkling that we realized that the house may have some kind of paranormal was the attic. And in the old houses, all houses, they all had skeleton keys to the doors, including the attic door, mm-hmm. which was in the closet. It was actually like a door on the floor. It was just a very small, just a smaller door, like maybe the height of, I don't know, maybe three feet tall was the door inside that also had a skeleton key. And then you would unlock that and you kind of crawl through that door and then walk up and that was into the attic. But that door was in the closet of my parents' room. And uh, this house was old, no air conditioning. We moved in in, in the in the mid eighties, uh-huh. so we didn't have air conditioning. And so uh, it was odd because I don't know if you've been in an attic. Oh yeah, one or two. <laughs> one or two. So right. in the summertime, what's it like in an attic? It's usually boiling hot. Boiling hot. This attic was not boiling hot. This attic was cold. And in the dead of summer, in a house with no air conditioning, it was cold. And uh, my dad would shut the door. He would lock it with the little skeleton key that was always in the door. And that was it. He always said, keep that that door closed. 
okay, no biggie. But I would go in my parents' room because they were the only ones in the house who did have air conditioning. They had a, a room air conditioner. Just right. In the a window, I'm sorry. Sure. Window yeah. air conditioner. Yeah. So I would go play in their room in the, in the swelter of summer so that I didn't have to. And that door would pop open a lot on its own, even though the skeleton key was turned. The sound of the door popping open. <laughs> yeah, just like that. Bring back memories. That's young Christina screaming. No, I never screamed. I didn't think it was weird, but it was weird that it was always like a gust of cold wind uh-huh. that would come out of there. And as a child, no big whoop, no worries. I didn't know an attic wasn't supposed to be cold. You know, we moved from an apartment, so it's like our first house. So um, I didn't know. But that was the first indication that that house was haunted. And Obviously, my dad knew because, you know, he was always keep the door closed, keep the closet shut. But uh, do you think that he said that because he thought he suspected something? Or do you think he just said that because all parents kind of say, stay out of the stuff, don't go in the attic? I think it was a little bit of both because he did have some, um, both of my parents are a collector of antiques and they kept Mm -hmm. some antiques in there. So it was probably a little bit of both. He would always comment that, that he couldn't believe how cold the attic is we should probably make a room up here instead of getting air conditioning we all kind of knew the attic was cold that was like when we first moved in and then things got progressively weirder from there well let me ask you real quick before you go on with your story because you mentioned that your parents collect antiques yes and a lot of times i knew you were gonna say this the there there's a lot of skepticism as with regards to whether the the house is haunted or items are haunted. Mm-hmm. So I guess I kind of wanted to get an idea of, in terms of the activity that you noticed, was it localized only to that particular house? Or was it something that maybe could have been tied to one of the antiques that your parents had and it traveled with them? I don't think, but maybe. I don't know. I know the antiques that they did have were family heirlooms mm-hmm. of my dad's and they were passed down from his parents and his parents and most of them came from West Virginia. And I don't know what the exact correlation to the Civil War, because as you're going to find out in my story, it my ghost is directly related to the Civil War. So okay. I don't think that they had any specific Civil War memorabilia, but they did have like several different kinds of furniture. Mm-hmm pieces that that could have been in a house that belonged to somebody but i don't i don't know like i said the extent of who or what type of civil war person would have lived in one of those homes i i I honestly don't know right because actually the activity was in that house i mean when we moved years and years later it didn't follow us okay so unless there was something tied to one specific thing that they happened to sell while they lived there right more than likely it's it's something that you would consider tied to the house. Specific to the house, yeah. So it started with the doors in the attic popping open. Yeah, and and now older, as I see and and have listened to people talk about paranormal activity and things like that, I realized that, oh, that was probably a good indication that there was some paranormal activity in the house. As a child, I didn't think anything of it. The real was what got me at night. I can't remember when exactly it started. It wasn't right away when we moved in. I think we had lived there maybe a year because I was in fourth grade now, and I'm pretty sure we moved in in third grade. So, and it started in the summer before fourth grade, maybe. I don't know. And it could have been immediate after we moved in the house. It was just took me that long to notice. Mm -hmm. 
the first time I saw him, I'm just going to say him, it was flat out an apparition, full-bodied, full, like, uh, didn't look like you and I, but did have like a, 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 it was, it was fully formed. But I mean, as far as could tell, it didn't have the same type of substance that we do. Like Mm -hmm. people, I couldn't see through it. I, I don't know how to describe. I just... I mean, it had a full shape, full form. I mean, I could tell he was a man. I could make out facial features. I mean, but he was a very odd color. He was very grayish or not really whitish, just very, just a very different color, almost like if the color was off on your TV. Like, so they would look like real people on TV, but contrast or something was off. That's kind of what it looked like. So um, he was dressed in, as I know now, as I've gotten older, I thought back and I did some research on it, but he was a Union soldier. And I only know that specifically from his hat and the hat color. Um, his outfit, his actual clothes were much more, um, They his uniform was very uh, tattered and didn't fit him well. Like maybe he had almost died of a sickness he was so baggy on him mm-hmm. but yeah that was and the first time that that happened he was standing at the end of my bed which i must say i did sleep on an antique bed that had originally so i don't know you it may be and that was actually one of the pieces we did sell was my bed yeah my bed did not go with me so that's interesting that you said i just thought back on that anyway so maybe could have been but it also fits the camp chase narrative as well so that the the first time I saw him, um, and he was standing at the end of my bed, not menacing, not scary, not you know bleeding or anything to make me scared. But I was scared because I was eight years old, right. so I screamed for my mom as any child would. And my mom comes running in to my bedroom, nothing, nothing here, nothing wrong. And um, it happened several nights in a row, and my mom was tired. And now as a mom, I get it. I understand why she was so frustrated with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Having to get up and check on your kid every night who's screaming. And uh, she is not a believer. So she she talked it up to me having nightmares or whatever. Um, didn't bother her that I could explain the specifics of the man or any of that. I you think- know what? And just that's so because you say your mom is a non-believer. And it's so it's always so difficult for me to understand how the non-believers can reconcile. Because I guarantee your mom had some type of experience in that home. I guarantee something happened to her. So it's always interesting to me how they justify that. My mom claims she didn't have any experience. Never once. No. It was only me, my brother, and my sister. Um, My dad, he sort of just like, you know, laughs and nods Mm -hmm. and, you know, whatever. Like he sort of... A wink and a nod. Yeah, yeah, a wink and a nod. Like he doesn't want to say anything in front of my mom, but... I think things happened with him. So, yeah. So this happened repeatedly. And, uh, you know, my mom was, it was killing her. So she was like, she was like, why don't you take the dog to bed with you? We had a Dalmatian, a big Dalmatian. So I brought him into my bedroom and I shut the door and I, mm-hmm. ha- I had him sleeping on the end of the bed. And even after this, my mom didn't believe. And I awoke one night. I had been flipped over and was facing the wall. So I wasn't looking towards the end of my bed like normally. Like I used to sleep on my back. I was sleeping on my side. And uh, I heard the dog growling. And I and I also could kind of feel when he was in the room, too. He never mm-hmm. said anything to me. He just stood at the end of the bed and stared. Never made any movements. Nothing. Just I heard the dog growling. 
And the dog started growling. I looked over and I went to scream and I remember my voice wouldn't work at all. And it just kind of came out like that. Like my mouth opened, but nothing came out. Well, no worries, because the dog just freaked out and started barking mm-hmm. crazy. Arr, 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 I'm snapping at the end of my bed, jumped down off the bed, ran to my door, which my door was closed, was clawing at the door, was just losing his mind, barking crazy. My mom comes running in. She's like freaking out. What did I do to the dog? You know, what's happening? It's the middle of the night. Still not believing that that man was in my that man was in my room, Mom. I mean, the the dog saw it. He's freaking out. Still nothing. I get no validation. And so now at this point, I'm like spending more and more time at friends' homes because I don't want to sleep in my own bed. Yeah. And uh, so it continued for for years. Was it an every night thing or was it It a couple times a week? It it was most nights. I I think it was, it honestly probably was every night, but every night I didn't wake up. I feel like it it probably could have been an every night thing, but I didn't always wake up. But when I did, he was there. I almost felt like, I mean, there would be times I would fall back asleep even because the more it happened, the less I started screaming for my mom. Mm -hmm. I knew she wasn't going to, I knew she wasn't going to come. I knew nothing was going to happen. And I knew he just stood there. And so after a while, I just was like, kind of like, I would just roll over, fall asleep. Sometimes I wake back up and he's still there. I don't know. Was he standing there the whole time? I don't know. I was just young. And so no, this was like prolonged Oh, this was haunting. years. Prolonged. Yes. And uh, finally, I think it was like uh, maybe nine or ten now. So I was fifth grade. Yeah. So this had been going on for a few years. You know, I was kind of like, wasn't used to it. I didn't like it, but... I really didn't have a choice. A lot of nights um, I would get up in the middle of the night and I would go downstairs and I would watch TV to like calm myself down. Mm -hmm. So yeah, as like a 10 year old, I would stay up for maybe two or three hours in the middle of the night just because I was too scared to go back in my room. So um, I had told my brother and sister about it who didn't really believe me, but my brother kept saying things would happen, like things would be moved, things would break, things would go missing, things like that. They never saw any apparition. Um, but um, so uh, my parents were out of town. My sister and brother are a lot older than me. So they were both well into high school. My um, sister was watching me while my parents went on an overnight. Her and her friends thought it'd be a great idea to let me watch uh, Friday the 13th with them. So, of course, now I was super scared and I didn't want to sleep alone in my room at all. And my sister was like, fine, you can sleep in my room, but you can't sleep in my bed. You have to sleep on the floor next to my bed. And she had a a water bed, so it was really low to the ground. So we were not that far, you know, even though I was sleeping on the floor, I wasn't, Mm -hmm. I could still like almost look up and see her face. Um, In her room, she had a balcony that had been sealed off because it was not safe to go out on it. So it was not a working balcony. There was no way to get up to it. But she had a door that she would leave open because it was it was screened door and to get some air in the room. So it was summer and she had that, that door open and we were asleep. And <laughs> you can go ahead and play that noise because that's exactly what it sounded like. And then it boom because the screen door had like a latch on it and just like it would crack back 
Mm-hmm. If you opened it, you weren't actually even supposed to open it. It really only opened like part of the way. But even though when we heard the door open, it sounded like somebody had full on opened the door, even though the door only opened like maybe six inches on a normal basis, just because it hit my dad had put a thing in it to keep anybody from going out there so that it nobody fell or hurt themselves or whatever. So we hear the, hear the door and the, the thing snaps back. And I look at my sister whose eyes are now open and we're facing each other. And I'm kind of sitting up a little bit, just enough to see her. And she's just, her eyes are just open. She didn't have to. She was already rolled over facing me. And I opened my eyes and I said to her, he's here. And she just was like, okay. I could see it in her face. She's like, do I want to look? Do I not want to look? Because my little sister has been telling me about this man all the time. And so my sister makes the courageous decision to look. And so she rolls over and she looks and there he is standing at the, uh, just basically the pile of blankets I have now because now I'm not even in a bed. He's literally standing at my feet. So he's at the end of my sister's bed, but farther up, like maybe more like towards the middle of her bed because I was sleeping at the head of her bed. So now he's standing like at the bottom of my feet and he's staring at me and my sister sees this and, um, she very calmly, she puts her head back down on the pillow facing me and she looks at me and she goes and she's just like, there's nothing there, nothing to worry about. And she's like, "Like we're going to close our eyes and go to sleep. Even though she knows it was there and she saw it, she was trying to deny it, mm-hmm. but she saw it. And to this day, you know, I can get her to talk about it now, but uh, and she'll say, yeah, she saw it, but. So that actually makes me makes me think I mean, it's, it's a terrifying story to begin with, being a child and having that experience over and over and over again. But it does make me think that it was not tied to the bed. Yeah. If he came looking for you, he was tied to you. That's true. He was interested. Well, that was in the you. one and only time because there had been there was nights that I had slept in my parents' room or I had slept with my brother in my brother's room. And maybe he did show up, and it was the only time we woke up because of the screen door slamming. So maybe, I don't know if he did come looking for me, but yeah, that was one night he did. So that went on for years. Yeah. It only stopped once you moved. And I moved basically a lot earlier than the rest of my family did. I kind of moved in with a friend because I just... I literally, she went to the same school as me and I was just like, hey, can I sleep over? And then her mom started taking me to school and it was just like more convenient not to go home because <laughs> right. I didn't want to. And my parents kind of just got used to the idea. I mean, they didn't live far. They were family friends. So no biggie. But yeah, so I'm, I moved out way before anybody else in the family did. I was definitely gone by 11 and they didn't move out of that house till I think I was 13. Yeah. Just the postscript. One, because you, you've told me this story. Mm-hmm privately many times yeah but even now seeing you telling it again every time you tell it you still get emotional by it it still <laughs> affected you even retelling it now to me probably for the 10th time you've Easy. told me this story so it's not something that's ever goes away you're still affected by it i know i always seem to stop and look i feel like i'm stopping and looking into my head and like just re-seeing that whole that image that I saw every night and And now as an adult I I almost feel bad like if I had had the courage or whatever I would have do you need something do you want something I really would Mm -hmm. let I feel like he did maybe he had a daughter I don't I don't know what was there something I could do to help you know I don't know and maybe you'd been the first person in years to see him 
Right. That gave him hope that you do see him. He, in yeah. his mind, he does exist. Who knows what the situation is? And that's that's kind of... Right. And instead, every night I screamed or rolled over or just hid. Right. Yeah. So did you ever get any additional information in terms of who this person might be or... There isn't any information on the house specifically other than the fact that the house was built on Camp Chase grounds mm-hmm. other than that. Um, but recently, <laughs> I was looking through... Some pictures from Columbus from a newspaper article that they had replaced a statue that some... Um, some kids had defaced. Yeah, they, vandaled they'd actually it. Cut, they actually cut the head off of the statue right. out in front of the cemetery. Right. And I and so I guess the statue was commissioned in 1902. He just commissioned it. He's kind of like an unknown soldier, a soldier that protects over, watches over the, the graves. Um, he is a Union soldier. And... Uh, so the the man that they commissioned, they gave him just like a plethora of pictures that they had had left from there, and it was just it just had different men and you know whatever. And so the guy was to just you know kind of just create a soldier, and I don't know if he picked my guy, or you know from a picture, or that's just what he imagined in his head. But the uncanny resemblance is crazy. So when they put, they recreated it after the kids had cut the head off. It was the first time I actually had looked at this and I was shocked. I was like, that is my guy. That's his facial features. That's, and I really wanted to find more information, but there just isn't anything about the guy who was commissioned other than, you know, he just, he just had pictures to choose from. Mm -hmm. But did he choose my guy? I mean, did he see a picture of my my soldier there and he cre- recreated? That's the one he picked? I don't know. It's so weird. And this was just recent. I yeah, mean, just that's, within that's the, the reason past, I asked you because yeah, I, I know Yeah, just that in the you... past few months that I saw this and it was uncanny. I mean, I was thrown for a loop. I was like, oh my gosh, that's him. Just, I mean, the, the profile was perfect. Just, it was great. I don't know. It's. Great. But there's nothing about that soldier. I mean, he's not, he's not technically a real soldier. He is just something that an artist created. So. But you also did receive... And that guy's also dead, so I can't even talk to well, him. Well, you also did receive some <laughs> small validations as well from your brother oh, recently. Recently, also. yes. Somebody, a friend of mine had put on Facebook that this ha- the house was for sale again. So and the house still exists? The house still exists, and, and it's for sale right now, so if you want to buy it. And uh, it's funny, I said, the very first comment was, my brother says, that house is haunted. <laughs> so uh, so he obviously had his own yes. experiences. Your sister obviously had her own experience. There's definitely something there. And, and a yeah. lot of times people will will blame those type of things on, on the young, you know, overactive imaginations. And that's what my mom did, for right. sure. Yeah, and, that's that's the that's and my the dad. I think he was on the fence. I think he wanted to believe me, but he was also frustrated. You know, because my mom was frustrated waking up every night with me. And, right. You know how when you parent, you're just you're like, oh my god, again. You know. So, I think he wanted to he wanted to believe me. Well, you were very young when it happened to you. I was not. I was not as young. I was twelve or thirteen at the time. So much older. When I was twelve or thirteen, I was over six feet tall. I mean, I was, I looked like a full grown man, even though I was rail thin, yeah. but you weren't quite a full grown man. Wasn't, wasn't quite <laughs> a full grown man. You were six foot, but you were a little I was too still, thick. I was still a boy, right? I was still, I was still 12, 13 years old. This is also in Columbus, but it's a little bit farther away from, from you. It's in 
a place called um, Italian Village. And the area in Columbus has also been around. A lot of those places there, it's a lot of the half doubles. They've been around since the mid-1800s. Mm-hmm. It's an old area. You know, the, the streets are narrow. They're close together. Just a lot of history there. And at the time, I lived in Cleveland, but I would come down to visit my grandparents and my aunts and cousins who lived right there in the in the area. And I would spend the summers there. And the year that I was 11, 12 years old, my aunt Alice and her family moved into one of the half doubles all on the street. Actually, she lived on the one half. And then a family friend that I had known since I was born lived on the other side with her family as well, her daughter and her son as well. So I knew everybody who lived in the house. My aunt and cousins lived on the left. My I called her my Aunt Mary Lou on the right, even though she wasn't. She was just my mom's family friend. But almost immediately, at least from the kids' standpoint, we started noticing questionable things right away. And Like day one from moving in? It seems like day one from moving in. You know, moving stuff in, moving stuff into into my cousin's bedroom. It's almost like a shotgun design where there really is nothing left or right. Everything is straightforward. So you walk in the front door, there's a living room. You walk through an archway, there's the dining room. You walk through a doorway, you can go left or right. To the right through a doorway, you're in the kitchen. To the left through the doorway, you're up the stairs. And then that's when you are in the upper floor. And then the upper floor... It's pretty much an identical design. There's a long hallway that goes the entire length of the house. And the back end of the hallway is a bathroom. On the front end of the hallway, it, it ends in my cousin's, my cousin Kitty, her, her bedroom. There's a bedroom in the middle. And then there's a bedroom off side next to the bathroom. And then there's also an attic door. Right? And the attic door is in the, ba- in the bedroom that is next to the bathroom. So there is an attic door. It's a full attic door. You know, you open it up and it's yeah. it's a full Stacks, door. You walk up stairs the up to the attic. There That's is no used to be. Yeah, yep. there is no crawl space there. There is no um, you know pull down door. It's a real door, heavy door. And this may not have been my experience. May not have been the first night they lived there, but it was pretty darn soon because we were going through the house and we were replacing light fixtures and light bulbs. It was a Sunday afternoon, and we burned something out. And in reality, when we put it, I guess, it in there, that this house was so old, and the fuse box was so old, it had those big old glass fuses. It didn't even have, well, a fuse box that we're used to now, which right. just kind of flops to the left of the, you know, you just reset yeah. it. These fuses blew, and you had to get new ones and screw them, them in. Mm-hmm. Those fuses just don't, you know, they're not easy to come, come by. Yeah, you have to wait for the store to open. You had to wait. <laughs> and so it was a Sunday afternoon. We could not get to the hardware store at that point to get them. So the back half of the house for that particular day was dark. And what we had to end up doing, especially upstairs, we had to, we, the power in the middle room was still on. So we plugged in a kind of a standing lamp and we shone it into the bathroom because it was the only bathroom in the house. It only had one bathroom. It was in the back of the second floor. So we had the light shining into the bathroom. And the three of us, my cousin Matt, my cousin Kitty, and I were in her room at the, at the front end of the hallway. And I had to go to the restroom. And I, again, I was 12 years old. I walked down the hall. I got in to the bathroom. I'm using the bathroom. And, you know, I'm just kind of sitting there. I'm, I'm not really paying attention to what's going on. And I suddenly start to hear the door. And I'm not sure exactly what that door is. I don't know what it is at the time. 
Turns out it was the door to the attic. And again, this is a heavy door. It's not a small wooden door. These were, were solid wood. And this door opened, and I'm still sitting there on the toilet. And when I'm looking through the doorway into the hallway, all I really see is that lamp with the light shining on me. That's really it. It was, a, it was basically spot. It was a spotlight on me. And as I'm sitting there, I saw that spotlight change. And I didn't see, it was not a full body. I didn't see a person standing there. Right. But I saw something standing there. The light had changed. The light had moved. It was almost as if you're looking at, uh, you know, kind of the shimmer off of the, of the ground. If you're looking off into the distance and you see the shimmer, the heat from the shimmer. Right. So the light was almost shimmering. So it was like a distortion. There was definitely a distortion in the light to the point where it was unmistakable. And along with that, you, I, I got the sense of the movement. I got the sense that it moved from Matt's room, which was right next to the bathroom, and then stood in the doorway. And then once it stopped in the doorway, that's when that sense that you're being watched kicked in. Mm-hmm. And it kicked in extremely hard. I think anybody who's been sitting in a room somewhere and somebody else walks in or somebody else looks in your direction, you know when you're being watched. And you immediately can look to the exact direction. It's, it, is a, it is a weird sensation that humans have. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know when you're being watched and you know exactly where it's coming from. So I knew I was being watched and I knew where it was coming from. And it was unbearable. And at that point, I didn't have to go to the bathroom anymore, but I was afraid to get up. Uh, I was afraid to go towards the door. And it wasn't moving. And the minutes started to tick by. And finally, I actually spoke to the doorway. I spoke to, the, to this distortion of the light. And I, I just said, I know you're there. I can see you. And I just kind of sat there and waited. And I said, I have to leave. I have to, I have to go out of this room. And still nothing. It, it just, it, nothing moved, nothing changed. It stayed there, and that feeling remained. Did you consider another way out? At one point, <laughs> I, I, the bathroom, the toilet was situated directly beneath a small window. And I swear to you, I thought about jumping out of that window. Out of a second-story window. Uh, out of a second-story window. At, for a brief second, it seemed preferable to going through the, to not even just going through the doorway, but just staying in the room. Jumping out the back door seemed preferable to just staying in the room. It was it was that strong the feeling, and it was that unnerving. So the minutes ticked by, and it was maybe, I mean, it seemed like a half hour. It was probably two minutes, <laughs> but it seemed like forever that this was going on. So I stood up and I pulled my pants up, my shorts up, and I'm standing there now, and I'm just standing there looking through the doorway. And I said to it again, I said, "I see you." I need to leave. Nothing. Okay, I'm coming through the door. Nothing. <laughs> here I here I come. I'm coming through the door. Nothing. So I started to I started to walk through the door. And it was maybe four steps from the toilet where I was at to the door. It wasn't a large bathroom. You know, it wasn't the master bathrooms you see nowadays. It was a small, that house wasn't built with a bathroom originally. Right. It, was, it was like a closet that had plumbing put into it. So I, I worked up my nerve and I walked 
through the door. And how did it feel? Um, to me, it felt like if you can imagine it, if somebody had an invisible hand and they had it inside of your stomach and they grabbed your stomach and then tried to pull your stomach out of your belly button. Oh my gosh. So that's honestly what it felt like. It felt like somebody was trying to pull. The minute you hit the, hit through the door or just. The moment I walked through the, I walked through this distortion of light. Okay. Uh, the distortion of light may have been slightly past the door. It might have been directly in the door. I'm not exactly sure where it was. I just know that I went through it. Mm-hmm. And did you have any other sensations in that? I mean, did you feel cold? Did you feel? I, I don't or do remember. You just remember being terrified. I don't remember feeling any cold. I uh, I don't remember. All I felt was that incredible tug in my insides, in my stomach, in my heart, and my lungs, and this incredible sense of fear. And that's when I took off and I sprinted down the hallway. It was probably 20 steps. It was a long hallway. It was the entire length of the house, but I sprinted down that hallway, busted into the door, slammed the door shut again. Uh, we had cots. My cousin Matt and I had cots. It was my cousin Kitty's room, so she had the bed. We had cots. Jumped on the cot, threw the blanket over my head, and just laid there. And those two were awake. They weren't asleep. It was only like 9.30 when this happened. It was just barely dark. Mm-hmm. And... She, you know, for a second, it was like dead silent because I, I made it. It was, a, it was a big production. I ran into this room, <laughs> slammed the door, jumped on the bed, put the covers over my head, and they both just kind of stopped. And I could feel them looking at me too. And then my cousin Kitty was like, what's going on? What happened? I was like, and I just, nothing. Nothing happened. Everything's okay. But I did. Talk yourself out of it. <laughs> but I did not. I mean, honestly, the next thing I remember, she's shaking me and it's the middle of the night. I did not even remove that blanket. Ever again, I, I had that blanket over my head and I fell asleep from it. So I don't know if it was the the adrenaline the, yeah. the adrenaline crash Probably. of what I felt there. But it was, like I said, it was 9, 30, 10 o'clock, maybe at the latest. It was not that late for me to run in there, cover my head up, and just immediately be out, crashed out. So... It just zapped your energy. It, it just, who knows? Maybe it fed on me. You know, and, yeah. and gained some of my energy and, and and took it from me. I don't know. It's It was so disturbing to me to, to this day that it, it absolutely affects me. And so, but then later that night, the next thing I remember, she is, sh- is, is Kitty is shaking, shaking me. And again, the blanket's still over my head. And she's like, Pete, Pete. And I'm like, what? She's like, um, there, there's something outside. There's something out there. Something's out. Do you hear it walking? And this is literally, there were footsteps coming up and down the hallway. What can I, it's, did the hallway have carpet or was it wood? It was a wooden, a wooden hallway. Okay. It sounded like somebody with heavy I think it would be boots. creepier if it was carpeted and you still heard that. No, it was a wooden, wooden hallway. Wooden hallway. Wooden hallway. Sounded like somebody with, um heavy boots or we even likened it to like wooden shoes like clogs oh, like a dutch <laughs> like a dutch and i say that and i'll tell you why i said that later but so i got up off the cow off of the cot and my cousin matt was there and he was sitting on his cot you know looking very wide-eyed and and 
and scared. And my, and, and my cousin Kitty had gotten out of her bed and she was standing there and she's looking at me and she was a couple of years older than the two of us. But she's also looking a little worried. And I don't know where I got this level of bravery from. I really don't. <laughs> Probably because you just had, had that experience and thought you're like, well, heck, if I can do that. But I got down on my hands and knees and actually looked underneath, looked in the crack because the that light was still on. The light that was shining into the bathroom was still on. We still had to illuminate the bathroom. Right. So the hallway itself was lit and put my eye down there and looked under that doorway in that little crack into the hallway to see what I could see and see if there was somebody there. The noise didn't stop. There was no one walking on that hallway, no physical person walking in that hallway. But something walked from the bathroom all the way up. Those steps got louder and louder and louder. It came all the way to the door. I was terrified thinking that at some point the doorknob was going to turn. Somebody was going to try to come into that room. The three of us were just were were absolutely terrified. (laughs) It would come to the door and then it would walk back away. And this went on for... I don't know, a half hour? I mean, honestly, a half hour. It may have felt like it was two hours, but it was probably a good half hour. That was one night. We had those experiences for the next four years that they lived there. What the footsteps? The footsteps, things dragging along the ceiling. Well, the ceiling where we were, but it was the floor of the attic. Right. So my cousin Matt and I, my cousin Kitty was, she was 18 at the time. So she had a boyfriend. And so she wasn't around a lot after that. So Matt and I would commandeer her room, at least for the first year. Mm -hmm. And we would hear, until we would hear things moving in the attic above us, until we would hear the footsteps coming to the door. What was the access to the attic? Did anybody ever grow up and see if you guys had raccoons or mice or anything like that we did go up during the day was it a finished attic it was not a finished attic but it was a very spacious attic it was a a large space there was no it wasn't like those attics that it was it was it's a typical old uh exactly what you think of when you walk up into the attic and there's all kinds of old stuff up there that my aunt probably did not bring in that had been sitting there from the previous people who had lived there oh wow um so you think it was tied to any of that thing, that stuff? It, it very well could have been. So did you guys ever go through any of that stuff? or did you We just... never went through that stuff. And in fact, we did not go back up that into that. We went into that room once during the day. And we never went up there again. And after that summer, I came down for four more, for three more summers. I came down from when I was 11 till I was 14. And by the second summer, we were not sleeping upstairs at night at all. We were not going upstairs at night at all. If you we had the bathroom, if we had to use the restroom, uh, if it was number two, you were holding it. If it was number one, we just we would piss out the back door. Oh my god! Literally, we would pee out the back door. Wow. My in talking about deniers, my aunt Alice never admitted it. Never admitted that she had ever had any experiences at all. Never admitted that there was anything different about the house, even though. None of her children, nor I, who probably slept there 85% of the time that I was there for the summer. Did they have an animal? We they, they are big indicators, I think, personally. We, we had a dog. They had a pit bull dog named Brittany. <laughs> and there was a situation where 
we came back and the footsteps were going on upstairs. And at the time, again, that was pretty early on as well because that was Kitty's boyfriend's dog. So at that point, we thought, based on the area that we lived, maybe it was an intruder. Maybe it was somebody who had broken in and was rummaging through the upstairs. Mm-hmm. And so we went in and we, and we said, you know, come on, Brittany. Brittany was a pit bull. Come on, Brittany. Come on, Brittany. And Brittany was underneath. There was a bed in the dining room because there were only three bedrooms upstairs. My Aunt Alice slept downstairs, which is convenient, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she slept downstairs. Brittany was under the under the bed, which at the time didn't strike me as odd, but then later probably did. Brittany came out from under the bed, barrel chested, ready to go. Come on, Brittany, let's go. She runs up the stairs, gets about you know five stairs up, halfway up the stairs. The stairs about fifteen stairs, and you heard her nails catch on that wood and just stop, dead. She turned, came back down the stairs, went back under the bed. Oh no! Yeah. So she was not. And then you guys proceeded to go upstairs after that. We, I would have left. <laughs> we we still went upstairs and we investigated upstairs, and there was nothing upstairs. My cousin Matt and I had an argument one time as well, and we had a, a little bit of a fight. It wasn't really necessarily a fight, but enough that his mom and I just walked just down the ho- down the road a little ways to my grandmother's house. Again, they all lived in the same neighborhood. Right. We walked about four houses down to where my grandmother was, she and I. We left Matt there by himself. After about an hour, my aunt said to me, why don't I go back and, and see if, you know, if Matt's feeling better and, and bring him back. So I went down to to get him. I knocked on the door. Door comes flying open. And he's wild eyed, staring at me. And he's like, "I'm I'm so glad you're here." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "As soon as you guys left, it started walking upstairs, and it walked just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth." He said, "I I went to the door. I was going to open the door and leave, and as soon as I put my hand on the doorknob." It stopped, and I'm hold, I'm standing there holding the doorknob, and there was no noise. It wasn't moving. I took my hand off the doorknob. I sat back down. It starts walking again, up and down, up and down. It said, it just now stopped when you knocked on the door. So this went on for the entire time that they, they lived there for four years. It went on for the entire time that they lived there. They did have a family friend who came, and because, again, the kids were not sleeping in the in their bedrooms anymore. They were downstairs. Right. They had a family friend who came to the house. He needed a place to stay. They allowed him to, to stay in my cousin Matt's room, which was the room right next to the bathroom. He slept there somehow. Uh, he was there. For, that was the last summer that I was down there. He slept in, up in that room somehow, but he had the radio going so loud in that room all night long that you could hear it all the way down the stairs. I mean, you heard it downstairs. You heard his radio all night. He was trying to drown out the So noise. he was trying to drown out something. He was trying to distract something. Oh he, he heard something up there or he knew something he was going on. Did he ever say anything? He never said anything, but I don't know that I ever talked to that guy. Oh, okay. More than two sentences. One of those family One friends. of those guys. <laughs> One of those guys. Kind of crash at your house. Yeah, he crashed at your house, but... Yeah. You know, not a whole lot of personality on that guy. But then they moved away. And again, that and everything stopped when they moved away. So it, it was that house. My uncle nothing Chuck. Nothing followed them. Nothing followed them. Uh, we, I went and stayed. Actually, the last year I went down, they were in a different place. And I, and I was there and there was never any occurrences there. My uncle Chuck did tell us later 
And my Aunt Mary, who lived on the other side, even told us several stories about what happened to her on her side of that double. So it wasn't just our side of the double. There were occurrences that happened on her side of the double as well. Was it always a double, you think? It was, uh, or you think they made them? I don't, I don't think the doubles whole neighborhood. Were... The whole neighborhood was were doubles. Every place in the neighborhood was a double. I know, but I wonder if they were just big houses in the, originally. I don't know. It definitely seems. It definitely seemed like they were built on purpose as doubles. Oh, okay, I didn't know if that was popular. Back but, then, but it might be on her side as well. She had a lot of of instances and a lot of occurrences, and she told us several stories about waking up in the middle of the night and seeing people or seeing person standing in the room with her. So she her. actually saw apparition. She said she saw a person in the room. She said it was dark. She just couldn't make out an outline of, of a person. But an there was somebody person, there. A child person? She gave me the impression that it seemed like an adult. Okay. But that doesn't jive with uh, the other individual. It doesn't mean that there couldn't be more than one. Right. But my, my Uncle Chuck also dated a, a woman that lived in that, in my cousin Matt's side about 10 years before they moved in. Her name was Lois. And in, she lived in Kitty's bedroom. She, she stayed in Kitty's bedroom. Mm-hmm. And they had a, a big porch and a big roof that was right underneath her window. So you could actually go out, off of, out of her window and sit on the porch. And so she was out. She had walked out of her window and was sitting on the porch. And she heard steps behind her. And she looked back behind her. And she said that she saw a Dutch, what she considered to be a Dutch girl, wearing the wooden shoes. Oh. So... That is why I, I kind of think, thinking back at it now, I always equate it to that. But you didn't that know noise. that before. At the time, I didn't know it. It just sounded like somebody with really heavy boots or some type of, of heavy-soled shoes making those noises. Later, my Uncle Chuck told me that, that she had seen this little Dutch girl. It may have changed my feeling a bit. I don't Did she think, think so. she was, like, real? I mean, did she know she was a ghost or... Did the, the ghost know she was a ghost, or did no. Lois know she was Lois. a ghost? I think Lois knew that she didn't belong there. Okay. Um, obviously, because they lived in the house, and she said that she did not fit at all in, in the, the context time, in the time period, yeah. of that home okay. uh, where they when they were living there. This was in the late 70s, so she didn't fit. Okay. Um, so that was the kind of the first time that I really had gotten any kind of information in terms of the context of who could have potentially live there but yeah so between what we saw what my aunt mary lou had told me about her side what my uncle chuck had told me about the woman that he had met previously and then also when i came back i was in college i mean i I lived in cleveland growing up i came back to college i was going into college in columbus and my other cousin i have dozens of cousins (laughs) my his uh, mom is one of eight a younger cousin chris who also still lived in the same house that my grandmother lived in. It was a double. He still lived there. I came down. He was 16 at the time. I was in my middle 20s and just spending time with him, young man. So we had gone across the street and we were playing basketball. And in the church, there was a church school across the street and there was a basketball court. We're playing. And this young man comes out that Chris knew. Again, he was probably 15, 16. And sure enough, he comes out of the house that my cousin Matt and my Aunt Alice lived in. And so he comes over and he's playing basketball with us. And then Chris says, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes in, he lives in Matt's old house. And I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, I used to go over and visit that house all the time. My cousin Matt lived there. And the first thing out of his face 
deadpan was, man, that place is haunted. <laughs> and I looked at him and I, cause I didn't, I didn't want to color him right. at all. I didn't want to, to, you didn't have to, I didn't want to plant anything in his mind that it was real. But he said that to me and I looked at him and I said, yeah, I know. <laughs> so that was just one place. So that'd be an interesting place to, to go back to. I would love to go back there now as an adult. I was scared out of my mind at 12 years old. I really was. I would love to go back there now as an adult. See, that kind of your experience scares me a little more like even as an adult to go back because I don't know because you didn't ever really see anything. I saw and nothing. you were like terrified. After a while, I wasn't terrified. I never felt like I was going to be harmed. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I didn't. I don't ever. When I was there, to... I did not feel like I was going to be harmed. Okay. But the simple pressure in the room, okay, the see, I didn't... just the oppressiveness of the air in the room, the air changed, and I couldn't stay there. See, that's not energy I want to expose myself to. <laughs> and that was just the first time I'd ever. Well, no, that wasn't the first time, but that was the first time that it had ever been so up close and personal. And in future episodes, we'll talk about maybe some of the other times that weren't quite as as jarring. But I figured I'd start with a bang, and that was and that was the first that was the first place that was the really the incident that kicked it off for me there. And so, do you think you've always been open to the paranormal? I, mean, I allowed things to come in. I think that some people. I do. I agree. I I think some people do shut themselves. Yeah, off. I think that some people allow I think things why to come kids in. Kids are so much more susceptible. Well, kids don't know what they don't yeah, know. Right. At that they point. don't know not to. They don't know any better. I think that the more you see, it's like anything, right? When a, when a child, when you're young, your brain is open. Period. You're learning everything. Everything that you do as a child is kind of a first experience. Right. So there are just millions of first experiences as a child. So. That kind of thing could be very similar to the first time you ate asparagus. So you eat asparagus when you're six and you realize, man, I hate this. And you close your mind off to it. Right. And you no longer want to eat asparagus. That could be the mental, physical version of a similar similar thing. You know, it's, it's kind of the same thing. You right. feel that and you think, oh, my God, I hate this. I'm closing this part of my brain. I don't want to ever have this happen again. But did you? I did. So you closed yourself off? No, 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 no. I did not close myself off. Uh, I actually, as I got a little bit farther away from it, I kind of came to terms with it. And I have allowed, if something is going to happen, I let it happen. I want to see what's going to happen. I find it interesting. I, I I don't fear ghosts, as weird as that sounds. I fear, maybe I fear demons, something like that. I don't fear ghosts. I've never seen anything that I thought would, could, could physically hurt me. Yeah. I, I, I fear possession. Scares me. Yeah. Yeah. If we're watching a scary movie, I'm not afraid of guys with knives. I feel like I could fight a guy with a knife. Right. <laughs> I, I feel like I at least got a shot. If I can put my hands on you, I have a shot. Right. But in those situations like you're talking about, if, if there is some type of hostile spirit that's trying to possess me, that is much, that is much scarier. That is. I agree. Frank. But now I just try to understand it. To your point, I, I try to understand... What are they looking for? Are they looking for something that I can help with? Right. Is it something that I can do? Are you even conscious? I don't know. Is right. it just a, a time loop where you're just kind of stuck in time? Yeah. I, see, I would like to say that, but to your point that he came and found me in a different part of the house. I think yours is different than mine. I think mine might have been honestly a, a, a time mean. loop. I honestly think that because that... Because of the walking. Because of the walking back and forth that happened regularly. Yeah. Uh, it never left... 
the hallway. It was always up and down the hallway. It never came down the stairs. If it was conscious, it would have come and found us. Okay. It didn't come and find us. I think maybe it did feed on some of the energy because we were a lot of kids with a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. And I think that young people, I think that's also maybe part of the reason that kids are more susceptible because they have an enormous amount of mental and physical energy. They are incredible little batteries. Yeah. just giving off power. Yeah. Other things can pick up on that power and feed on it and grow with it. I think that that in human, and as the older you get, the less you give off. I really think that. I think that it's like anything. The pituitary glands stop going. The, the growth hormone stops producing. Your light does dim. All those electrical <laughs> charges that you generate as a child start to die off. And so your, your abilities start to, start to wane maybe. But that's my experience. Um, at least one of my experiences. Yes. Like I said, I think I would love to do this more often and continue to explore some of the others because I had several. I don't even know if I've even told you all of them. I've had several and I've had several since we've been married. That's exactly right. And so that's also something that we can talk about as well is what we've had, what we've seen together. Mm-hmm. Um, I am more open to that. I enjoy the possibilities and catching something. And, and to me, that's almost like a, a a vacation to me would be to go back to that property and knock on that door and say, would you mind if I spent three or four days in your house and just sit in your... <laughs> Pay for them to go on vacation. <laughs> right. And just sit upstairs in your in your hallway and see what happens. That to me now is exciting as hell. I wonder if you would... I mean, because you said that kid was 15, 16, mm-hmm. so he was still young. He was still young. I wonder if, if you would be able to... I mean, have you gotten too old to... It's an interesting experience. Yeah, it would be to go back and see. I think probably yes, because, I mean, since then we've had several experiences, Mm -hmm. so... Yeah, I mean, it definitely could be. Like I said, that was just a suggestion that maybe that it's amplified in the young Mm -hmm. and and they do provide a lot more energy than than older people do. But I don't know. And it's something I would love to test. I would love to bring... Oh, uh, I'm positive the young have the energy (laughs) yeah yeah so once again if you if you like what you've heard so far if you want to discuss it more just contact us you can contact us through facebook we have a prove me wrong podcast site or uh, one of our other sources that we utilize we use itunes soundcloud spotify tune in radio stitcher a lot of ways to get in touch with the podcast send us a message we would love to be able to read some of your stories maybe even bring you on the show and have you talk about it uh, with us personally. Uh, I definitely want to make this a monthly thing if I can, and not just talk about ghosts necessarily, but all paranormal things you know, in terms of maybe reincarnation, paranormal experiences that people have had in before passing, before passing maybe the, the veil between those who are passing and those who are being born. You know, is there is there kind of a thin thing there? Maybe with children who are talking about past lives, are they really kind of pulling those experiences from the previous life? And they, while they still remember it before it starts to fade away as, as they get older. So a lot of those different paranormal experiences, I would love to be able to investigate and to talk about. And I think that that's something that we could certainly do on a monthly basis. So I'd love to hear from you. We would definitely love to hear from you. And I'd love to hear from you, Christine. I really appreciate you telling me your story again. I know it's always been difficult for you. Every time I, every time you say it and you tell me the story, you get physically altered by it. I mean, it, it definitely is still something that, that shakes you. It doesn't shake me so much anymore as um, I feel like it's a missed opportunity at this point. Yeah. 
kind of just want to change how it went down. <laughs> that That's life, right? That right? Life is full of those opportunities where we're thinking, man, could I have gone back and fixed that or changed that? Or maybe that person really needed my help right. and I wasn't able to do it. I wasn't in the right mind or wasn't at the right time of my life right. I was to be able to young. help that person. Yeah. And, you know, who knows? The house is still still there. It maybe is. that is a... A 20th anniversary for the two of us. We go and we visit both of those well, houses. Well, it's for sale right now. We could actually get a walkthrough probably. <laughs> That's true. Maybe we could do that. Okay. Well, thanks again, everyone. We appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Prove Me Wrong podcast. And we will talk to you again. 